You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Welcome to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast. Before we get into our guest today, just want to let you all know, once again, you can reach out to us at millionairesunveiled at gmail.com if you'd like to be on the show. We've had several requests from you listeners to get some more uh, everyday millionaires and with that, some specific professions, you know, whether it be a nurse or a plumber or a mechanic or a real estate agent. So we are working on that and there will be some of those uh, interviews in the future with profession-specific uh, millionaires. The other thing, we're all on the social media accounts under Millionaires Unveiled. Just look for us on Facebook and Twitter. Also, we've had some requests for some deal opportunities. Just shoot us an email and we can get on a conference call with you and discuss those uh, in the multifamily space. So for today's guest, we have JW, and JW's net worth is around $1.5 million. A significant portion of that is in the equity markets between three index funds. He also is an owner, part owner of a small business. And, you know, I think you're really going to like this show today. We go into some depth about working with family, buying a small business, acquiring another one, and just kind of the mindset that JW is used to, you know, acquired his wealth at a very young age. Um, JW is just in his early 30s, and he blogs over at thegreenswan.org, so many of you may know him. Without further ado, let's get right into the show. Welcome to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast. Today on the show, we've got JW. JW, do you want to just give us a little bit about you and what you're up to? Yeah, you bet. Thanks for having me on today. Um, Yeah, I'm JW. I'm over at thegreenswan.org. Uh, I've been blogging for the last couple of years on my road to financial independence and early retirement and uh, excited to chat a little bit about how I got here today with you folks. Awesome. And what is your net worth today? Today, uh, strong bull market, especially the last 18 months or so uh, at the sales. Um, I'm at about one and a half million. Awesome. And how is that broken up? Yeah, it's um, well, I'm 100% invested in the stock market primarily through three index funds um, a, a domestic, uh, a, a domestic large cap like an SP 500 tracker, a small cap, and a total international. And, and how much roughly across the you know, 401k IRA buckets do you kind of have with those funds? Uh, across the IRAs, my wife and I combined, we have about 300 401ks, around 650. We have a taxable account that is now a little bit less. It's at around 30. We just had a big event here in the last month. Uh, we invested a little bit more money into the small business that I have going with my siblings. And I would, I, I've pegged the, the small business contributions are about three and a quarter and total. Um, and then I have a small HSA around 35 and a couple 529 accounts for the kiddos, uh, just over a hundred thousand there. And then, uh, I have the primary residence with 
uh, ballpark around a hundred thousand in that as well. And how did you decide on on using utilizing those three funds across your IRA, four hundred one k, your taxable HSA five twenty nine? It, it hasn't been anything too scientific. Uh, it's been a general uh, desire to have it spread somewhat evenly across the total marketplace uh, or kind of what their capitalizations would be. Now, granted, I'm entirely stock, so that's kind of a different question. But, um, you know, there it's been more of a decision of, uh, you know, being relatively young, having a number of years left ahead of me, uh, still working age capacity and um, willing to take a little bit more risk for what I consider to be the best asset class to be invested in. Awesome. So have you always been in, <clears throat> excuse me, have you always been in index funds or have you kind of shifted from actively managed funds or how has that happened? Yeah, it's it's been a shift actually just in the last couple of years. I, I started out wanting to have about 50-50 of my, my portfolio in active and index, um, partly for just the diversity of it. Um, and this was a strategy and a plan that was in part concocted with with my older brother him and i have always been kind of personal finance geeks and and getting into this and so pretty early on is when we started i guess each of us individually with a similar type strategy like that and it's it's really just been the last couple years where my mindset has changed that you know i don't really need like that diversity I, i don't necessarily believe in a whole lot plus I don't. Um, I don't really need to try for outsized gains on the market. I really, to be successful, for my investment to be successful, I just need to match the market, and or, or you know, a little less, a little more. It's kind of indifferent. But if I more or less can just match the market, I'll get to be. Uh, I'll get to where I I want to go. Sure. Uh, so that's been kind of the transition and and a move that I've been making kind of slowly. Um, with some of my, like the taxable account, for instance, I had just sold a couple just with the, the move to the small business investment here in the last month, I sold a couple, uh, of my last, uh, active and active funds and kind of taken the, the taxable, the capital gains hit, um, finally, but, but that was been kind of the holdup is the, the tax. And so now I've got, I kind of had my feet to the fire and forced to do that as part of this this uh, investment. Yeah. So of the 1.5 million in your net worth, you have about 950 in uh, IRAs and, and 401ks. First of all, is, is that between Roth or traditional accounts? And second of all, how have you been able to build those accounts up so high? Yeah, good, good question. Um, so my IRAs, uh, my wife and I's IRAs are both entirely Roth accounts. And we've been doing the backdoor Roth, uh, you know, the traditional investment converting to a Roth the last handful of years. And so, but those are, those are entirely Roth. The 401ks are actually diff, uh, mostly the opposite. They're, they're 90, 95% traditional 401ks. Uh, and that's partly because our employers hadn't offered the Roth style uh, until recently. And also now, just because 
you know, the last couple of years, we've felt that our taxable rate today, our marginal tax rate, is going to be higher than what we'll likely retire at. And and so we've we've been electing to defer that tax liability until later. And so that's part partly the reasons there. And then um, your your second question about how we've been able to build those up. Uh, we both we both started contributing to the. We met young, we married young, and and we got on the same page investing wise early. Uh, big benefit to us, I think, no doubt in that respect, and it's and it's worked out well that we've been on the same page and everything. And uh, so we we both started early contributing to the to the IRAs, our max for, gosh, uh, I mean over over ten years, or, uh, even even in college. So. Uh, and and we're 32 today, so a little over 10 years. And and with the 401ks, we've been kind of just investing what we could, um, ratcheting that up as we as we've gotten raises and bonuses. And the last five or six years, um, roughly, is when we've been fully maxing those out. And then the last bucket being the taxable that we've been contributing to. Um, but you, you raise a good point about how a lot of it is tied up into retirement accounts in t- in total like the the net worth here is is very much illiquid um from that respect have you ever thought about doing a a self-directed ira out of the roth accounts for the small business or just any investments investing in something else out of the ira or have you just kind of kept that focus to investing in in financial securities yeah i i've um I've given that some thought. Uh, I, I would have loved to have been able to make it work for the small business investment, but uh, I can't remember now when I was looking into it, when me and my brothers were looking into it, it, it didn't qualify, and I can't remember why. Sure. Okay. Um, but no, I, I, I think we've just, yeah, I don't know. I would need to, I would need to learn a little bit more about that that play, but we've just kept it in the in the index funds. And you mentioned the backdoor Roth. Can you talk about a little bit about what that is for maybe some of our listeners that have phased out, you know, of being able to contribute to a Roth IRA and maybe aren't familiar with what a backdoor is? Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember the the income limit off the top of my head. It might be around a hundred and ten or one hundred and twenty thousand. But but the the issue is so if you're if you're uh, married filing jointly, like. My wife and I are that limit. If your if your gross income or taxable income is above that, the Roth IRA is is basically off limits to you, or that was the design. And the backdoor around that is being able to still invest in traditional IRA accounts. Uh, those do not have an income uh, cap, as as far as I'm aware of, or or if it is, it's really high. Um, and then um, there's still an uh, allowed um, conversion that you're able to make. Uh, it's a taxable event, but it's a Roth contribution. You're looking, it's looking, it's looked to be an after-tax uh, contribution to begin with. So um, you invest in the traditional, which is pre-tax, then you simply, you know, for me, it's just filling out a, a quick form, mailing that in or faxing it in. And, uh, you know, they process the like-for-like exchange into your Roth account, and it's a it's a quick little simple transfer, and it's pretty much then at that point just as if you would have done a Roth contribution to begin with. 
Awesome. Yeah, I think that's a that's a nice loophole. So the phase outs are kind of looked up here on the Roth IRA for for single filers. Phase out starts at one hundred and seventeen thousand, and for married filers, one hundred and eighty four. One hundred eighty four. Okay. So you, you know you're thirty two. You you got a net worth of one point five. You have about sixty sixty two percent of that in retirement accounts, and and kind of looking through your portfolio allocation, the other thing, a couple things jump out at me. One is that you have that three hundred and twenty-five, roughly, thousand in your small business, and then the other is is no real estate. So, maybe first talk about that small business or or how you decided to do that and why you decided to go that route versus investing in something else. It's really, I think, a matter of opportunity. Um, I'm not opposed to owning uh, uh, different real estate investments, um, but it's just a matter of time commitment. And with my wife and I both full-time kids in daycare, you know, we don't really have the time otherwise to to put in the the effort. To, I, I suppose we could always get like management and that sort of thing, but we've uh, we've just never really gone that route. I would I would consider that. Um, and still kind of bounce that around in my head a little bit, but as maybe even a, a retirement type uh, uh, investment, you know, something to do on the side. It's a little bit um, additional work, but I'd have the time for it and that sort of thing. With the small business, though, like I said, is just opportunity. Um, you know, with two of my brothers are working it. And the other brother and I are owning it. I guess all four own of it, but two of us are active. Two of us are, um, you know, solely owners. And um, that's worked out uh, just because I guess it's a full-time job then for those guys. And, you know, something fun that we can all kind of do together. It started about a year and a half ago. Again, just this last month, we made a second related acquisition that we're kind of rolling in together. So, um, and it's, and being a, a small business owner and, and doing something like this with, with the brothers has always been something that we've kind of talked about and looked for. And now in the last year and a half, we kind of had our first opportunity to do that and, and hope to continue to, to run with it and, um, continue to be acquisitive. We want to just kind of keep building it with through through cash flow. We had to do some equity injections as part of this acquisition, but hopefully going forward, it doesn't require, require a whole lot more of that. And then, um, you know, a kind of small caveat to that is, um, you know, right now that small business rents its building and the one we're acquiring rents as well. And we'll be consolidating those two locations. But then when the lease, when our lease runs out in about a year from now, we'd actually be looking to buy it, uh, a building and, you know, kind of owner occupied. Uh, and so that could be a small little gateway into the real estate world too, in a roundabout way. So what, what do you think your savings rate has been over the last 10 or 12 years as you've accumulated this wealth? Uh, you know, that's, a, that's a, that's a metric I've never tracked. Um, I could give a guess, uh, that it's, it's, it's probably always been 40% or more. And then just as we've, uh, as we've, uh, kind of earned a higher and higher wages, we've basically just been tucking that more and more into investments. So that savings rate has probably gone up to, you know, maybe 60 plus percent maybe today. And I'm assuming that 
you know, you since you started so early that you had some interest either as a teenager or as a as a uh, young twenty year old. How did how did you gain some of that interest to get into personal finance and to have the desire to have such a high savings rate and invest and learn to invest? Yeah, that you know, it probably all stemmed from you know way even before I actually started investing. My mom and dad were both. Um, fairly open about about their finances, and I remember when uh, one time my my dad was sitting on. The, I mean, every Sunday he would he would balance his checkbook, and um, and one and one day he was he was counting up stuff, and I was I was asking him what he was doing, and and uh, he was he was just about to turn fifty. And he had always wanted to have the goal of of being a millionaire by age fifty, and so that's what he was doing. He was counting up his his money, uh, uh, for lack of a better description. And and um, you know he had just reached that milestone, and it was it was a big deal. And I I remember that, and and then from that point on, I think I I always wanted to achieve the same goal, or or sooner. And um, so that was kind of the beginning of it and and my interest in personal finance and the the second leg to that is yeah I never had a whole lot of confidence that the that the government would take care of my retirement I mean social security and and all that I mean I, I think everyone kind of realizes that isn't going to replace your entire income uh not for the baby boomers certainly not for for those folks younger uh, so that was that's been the other thing is just wanting to be able to take care of myself and um, have have that set aside and you know just get the snowball started early. Did you have a goal of when you wanted to hit your first million? It, it, it was always fifty because of that. I mean, it probably wasn't a good goal or a well thought out goal. Um, I, I hit it by thirty, which um, you know my wife and I are, are kind of super proud of and. Um, but really, just kind of keep that more or less between ourselves. I, I know I blog, but under a pseudonym, and um, you know, my family doesn't know I have the blog or anyone really else, uh, you know, friends or family wise. So, um, you know, it's it's kind of like as soon as possible type goal, but hopefully by fifty. Gotcha. <laughs> That's kind of what it's always been. So, where do you go from here? Do you have a net worth goal out in the future for fifty when it comes in a couple decades? Hmm. Huh. You know, I got it. I'm a big Excel uh, a geek, so I, I have all sorts of stuff modeled out. Um, if I were to keep working, if I were to retire, I've sort of set now a, a tentative retirement date. So my goal really isn't just to accumulate and accumulate. I want to get to a point where it'll be comfortable and, you know, never have to kind of worry about that again, but still have a number of good years with, you know, the family growing up and all that. So I've got that pegged at, you know, $3 million uh, bucket there uh, goal. And, and uh, the way I've been targeting for that is hopefully to reach that in about three, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, actually five years from now. So about five, Five more years, hopefully, and then uh, and hang it up. Cool. So you mentioned that you that you have daycare and stuff, and given that your father was pretty instrumental in 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 your success, how have you approached teaching your children about wealth, or how are you going to in the future? Uh, that is, I think about that a lot. I really, um, 
I, I mean, I, I want to expose them young, just like I was. I haven't come up with a good way of doing that yet or, or a good idea or um, fortunately, well, I, uh, you know, the oldest is, is about four, the youngest is about one. So I do have a little bit of time to, to really kind of formulate that out a little bit better. But, um, you know, as soon as they can start to comprehend it, I'd like to be able to start to introduce it, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, budgeting with a weekly allowance or, I don't know. I need to come up with some good ideas. Do you guys have have you guys uh, got anything masterminded out there? I don't know. That's tough. We haven't we haven't heard from a lot about teaching kids about personal finance. Not, neither of us have kids anything. yet. <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got one on the way, but it, it it is something. I'm in the similar situation that you are, and and you know, and Clark is too. That our our parents were very instrumental in in kind of our interest in personal finance and from a young age and and kind of taught us about it and it's been something that that we've thought about a lot over the last 15 20 years and so you know just like you it's something that is on the mind but you know as as kids probably grow up a little bit here we'll we'll start to take a little bit more interest and figure out you know what's the best way to go about doing it and kind of trial by error but yeah we'll see yeah right now my my oldest is is just enthused about sticking the credit card in the machine at the grocery store. So (laughs) (laughs) it's a good way to start. (laughs) Yeah. He's got that. I think he's got that figured out. And then we take our groceries home. (laughs) (laughs) Let me go back to, I just want to ask about the small business. We know we've done a lot of interviews where people are kind of split between real estate and the markets, a lot where people are heavily in the markets and a lot where people are, you know, a hundred percent in real estate. Yeah. Talk about, you know, what's something that if someone wants to get involved in a small business, where do they start? Is, do they purchase the business? Do they do they partner with somebody? Do they start something on their own? I mean, if someone's kind of trying to allocate some of their net worth in that direction, how do they get started? Yeah, well, certainly it's all about risk tolerance. I, I never had the tolerance to... Um, quit the w-2 steady income to do that my on my own and that's that's why really this has worked out so perfectly where i can have uh two siblings that are you know 100 percent trust and you know super close with and running the day-to-day that uh and then my other third brother being super involved as well he he too still carries the w-2 income like me um, so that's just been, been my risk tolerance and how it's worked out. And, you know, if, it, if, if it didn't work out to have two brothers that I, you know, have such a good relationship and, and everything with, uh, um, and confidence in to be able to do something like this, then, you know, it probably would have just been an ambition that went by the wayside, uh, Getting into getting into a small business though isn't super daunting. I mean, the we didn't start anything up, or we didn't have any great, um, you know, patent or anything like that. I mean, we the way we did it was a year and a half ago. We bought an existing business uh, that cash flowed, you know, historically and and right away more or less for us as we transitioned into ownership. And you know, that too is a is a risk tolerance type decision. Um, certainly a little bit rest, less risky going about it that way. But I, 
I equate it to not all that different than buying a home. Buying a home, you go through a realtor or you know commercial real estate or something like that. I presume similarly. Um, and with small business, there's small business brokers, uh, and we we initially, I mean, we scoured for business opportunities. Um, eventually, found one. We looked all over, but there's online business brokers. There's local business brokers. Um, you know, business. Uh, companies that you can contract with to help you buy and negotiate a business. And that's what we did. And you kind of have to go the whole nine yards. I mean, we have uh, lawyers that we've worked with on all this, you know, drafting up a lot of the documents and everything like that. So it, it can be complicated, but it really doesn't need to be that overwhelming, really. I mean, you get people in there that you trust and, you know, it works out. Sure. So... And was the goal or is the goal, or maybe you don't know if this is the goal to transfer out of your W-2 income, or is it more to just kind of have something on the side and diversify a little bit? It, exactly. The second part of that is 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 having something on the side and diversifying. Um, <laughs> diversify to an extent, I guess. I mean, sure, it's still sure. 100% equities, <laughs> but um, now with a private company too. And uh, you know, on the weekends, we have our business management calls or call them whatever you want, but all four of us, we, we get on the horn and, and talk about things that are going on. Um, so it's, it's still active and it's a time commitment. Um, but it's something that we've always wanted to do and, and enjoy doing together. Um, you know, with the whole goal of bringing us closer and, uh, and that sort of thing. And so it's, it's been fun. Yeah. Uh, it's not something that I, I see myself transitioning to from a W two standpoint. I hope to just continue on as I'm as I am with my current job, and then hang it up when I'm ready. As a part time job, maybe in retirement, if I wanted to do something that I suppose that could always be there, um, but not not anything that is actually in the plans. And how has it been working with? Obviously, probably pretty good working with family. Is that was that something that? It was a big consideration at the beginning. Were you nervous at all about that? Yeah, I don't want to downplay that at all. I was very nervous about that. Uh, still am. I mean, it's it's something that you just have to be careful and cognizant about. But my my dad, who has been, I guess, really influential in a number of different ways, but um, he he's been helpful in in guiding us all too, and 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 keeping things in line. He's we I, guess, I think we have a little bit of a family history of of entrepreneurship and small business ownership and sadly my my grandpa and his brother were in a business together that you know didn't i mean the business worked out but the relationship kind of soured between them i mean that 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 risk is there i mean they spent again very sadly like the last 20 plus years of their lives not talking to each other and um so i think we have that all in the back of our heads and um, we've had some good heated conversations on the phone. Again, just laying it all out there because it's not, you know, something to go into lightheartedly or anything like that. So uh, it's something that you just kind of have to shrug off to, and you know, you have those conversations. And we've had a couple here recently with all the kind of stressful events going on. But um, we've done a really good job of being able to put things aside and you know still have you know you know, good get togethers, good phone calls and staying in good touch with each other and throughout it all and not letting that affect our personal relationships. So yeah, it's, 
it's been it's been something though that's for sure that's awesome good for you guys that you've been able to to figure it out like that so you seem like and you've kind of alluded to that you're a the millionaire next door type right that that people don't quite know that you you're 32 you have a net worth of of 1.5 you're well on your way to retirement the goal to retire at at 37 have as you much incre- as I'd, as much as I'd love to have a a Tesla and be showing it off like that I I have not made that leap <laughs> so do you think you've changed your quality of life really at all or has it has it stayed pretty similar or or what's kind of been the dynamic with that um it's it stayed pretty similar it's it's just been, I would characterize is finance is just a little bit less stress. Things can happen and, and you know, uh, you get a flat tire or something that would just eat you up for a little while. Like, how am I going to pay for that? Or where's that money going to come from? I mean, just worries like that go by the wayside. I can't say we've expanded it really a whole lot. We have daycare. That's sort of a natural expander. Like, that's just money out the door. You know, I, I can't say there's really been any big extravagant. We, we spend where we where we value it. I'll, I'll put it that way. We have a nice home, um, uh, a comfortable home. Um, we have good, good, reliable vehicles. Um, we do things that we want, but we we cut spending wherever we can. Still, um, just a couple of years ago, crazy uh, example, but you know, no matter where we can get away with spending a little bit less, we do and. My wife has been cutting my hair at home, so uh, that's a that's a prime example of you know just find a whole lot. Of, I mean, cutting my hair is not that hard, <laughs> and no sense in paying someone twenty bucks to do it. So, has your risk tolerance changed over the last decade? I I wouldn't say so. No, I don't think so. I I, I would have thought that it would change, and I would reduce the percentage allocated towards stocks. Um, as I got closer and closer to retirement, but, but I don't, I don't foresee that it hasn't happened and I don't foresee it happening. I, I, I would much rather, I think I've, I've just decided that I'd rather build up an extra cushion before pulling the retirement trigger to sustain myself during the volatile equity times than invest in what I see as being an inferior return profile of bonds or something like that. So that's just kind of where um, I would have, I guess I, to answer that, I would have expected it would have, my risk tolerance would have gone down a little bit, but it really hasn't. What about the acquisition of a small business? Would that have been something that you would have done maybe five or six years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have had the amount of money though. I think that's the, that's the difference. So you wouldn't have taken on debt to do it. Oh yeah, I see where you're going. Yeah, um, I just don't think we would have had the capacity though. Um, it would have been a little bit. It probably would have been a little bit too much risk there to take on a whole, whole as much debt as as we do with the small business back then. Yes, I, I do have more comfort in um, our, our incomes and our assets to be able to get us through and the business through if needed if it hits the fan yeah yeah and how has the dynamic been with your wife has she always been on board with with all the financial decisions that you've made and purchasing the business and all that kind of stuff and and as much as you allocated towards uh you know the different investment vehicles that you've chosen to go into yeah and 
she has been. We've had we we're open on finances, but I, I'd I'd uh, say that she's a little bit more of the silent partner type in this situation. Um, I kind of uh, run with the finances and 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 manage things and manage that whole side of it. But we have regular conversations about everything um, at at the at least monthly, and we've had a lot of good lengthy conversations about the whole small business thing and all the risks that those incorpor- that incorporates. And so she's right there with me uh, with every every major decision as far as like allocate allocations and that sort of specifics. Um, she trusts me. I'll put it that way. Awesome. Good stuff. Yeah. What would your yeah. advice be to somebody just starting out? You know, say they're 20, 25, just graduated college. What would you tell them? Oh, you know, the biggest thing I, I would I would say is, and I'm, and I'm a big proponent of, is don't get paralysis by overanalysis. I think a lot of people, millennials, and um, you see statistics about how shy they are from being in the equities. You know, they, they saw the equity crash and how it impacted parents or whatever other excuse. Um and you know to not get in the market then themselves and i think that's a huge mistake and it, it's not it doesn't need to be overcomplicated there's resources out there free resources books blogs whatever don't get paralysis by trying to overanalyze uh just get in the market get investing you'll make some mistakes try to you know catch them and reduce them wherever you can and and just let your money start to snowball and as you see it snowball uh you know, it's it's kind of a, a a bug that you know once you once you catch and you know I, at least it was for me. Uh, you just want to keep doing more and more of it. So that's that's the advice I'd give for especially the young folks out there out of college. You know, get started. You won't miss the money. You'll live without it. Get it going, um, and you'll be surprised with how it accumulates. Good stuff. All right, JW from the Greenswan.org. Thanks for coming on the show today. Oh, awesome. It's a pleasure. I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Jace Mantinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.